Are you ready? Yes. Roll that bitch. Oh. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Bitcade. This is episode 28. 28 episodes. Almost 30. Not yet, though. This is 28 episodes into Bitcade, and we have a little bit of a new setup, a little bit of new things going on here. Maybe some new stuff in the future. Yes. I just felt like, hey, let's give this a shot. Let's 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 communicate a little bit more. We have swivel chairs. Yeah. No more uh, plaid couch. No plaid couch. No flower couch. I think there's flowers on it. Yeah. There's yep. my, yeah. There's flowers. It's on over it. there. You can't see my arm, but it's over that way. Anyway. Um, my name is Ryan A. E. Moore, but joining me is... Ashton. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, do we need E3 still? We're also going to be talking about the new Switch Lite that was just announced uh, a little while ago. And we're going to talk about, are digital games worth it? So, we are going to start off with, we because E3... Just got over. We actually just got done with our E3 episode. Episode 27 mm-hmm. was our E3 episode. Um, do we still need E3? Let me just throw that question out there for you, Ashton. And I just want to get a little feel of where you're sitting at. We just got done with 2019's E3. We dealt with 2018's E3. That was a little bit lackluster as well. Yeah. So how do we feel about it? I mean, E3, uh, I still say yes, mainly because you know it's it's going to be hard for... You know, if, if people are wanting, you know, if companies are wanting people to have a hands-on experience with the game that they're releasing um, or trying to showcase at an E3 type expo, you know, it's going to be hard for each individual company to find a place to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll just do the Nintendo route and kind of do their treehouse thing or uh, like EA kind of does their own thing now too. So, I mean, right now, yeah, just because it's going to be harder for... Uh, indie games if you if you don't do that um it's it's still beneficial now before i give my opinion i want to just throw out a couple devil's advocate questions out there so um not necessarily my opinion about it but just throwing it out there but what about conferences like pax like pax west south you have rtx that's having stuff now you have uh, gdc which is also sort of like e3 but still a little bit grander because europe guardian doesn't really con. have it there's guardian con there's all these little conventions Little is very quoted and asterisk marked. But, like, with those conventions going on, the indies kind of thrive more in the PAX realms. Agreed. While not as much as... Now, they do get a grander stage at probably E3 because all eyes are on E3. Not very many Mm -hmm. eyes are on on the PAX. So, how do you feel about that? Well, here's my thing on that is I feel like... E3 is expected by all the casuals out there, all the people who, you know, like parents uh, who don't really play anything. Maybe they'll play like Call of Duty and they get their kids stuff. So you're saying that Um, E3 is more of a uh, pop culture phenomenon as opposed to where PAX is more of an inside game. Yeah, PAX is more, you know, more, you know, inside gaming, more for people who, you know, this is their main hobby. Like this is what they do when they're not working or not in school, like me. (laughs) I didn't know about PAX um, until you told me a couple of years ago and I'd known about E3 since I was in like middle school. Okay. okay. So and I'm 
24 years old. So for me, um, it's still very important because like most people don't know about guardian con. They don't know about packs. They don't know about any of these conventions out there that are smaller, but not really smaller. Yeah. Some of them are bigger than in the grand scale of, of how it all works out. So, because the way I look at it is where where we were for 2019 E3, I think was definitely the, do we still need this? And it's time to prove whether or not we still need this. Microsoft doesn't need to necessarily be at E3 because they already own the facility that they do the Xbox conference at. So they can just do it without even having to do it. They can do it in Redmond. They can do it in Los Angeles. It doesn't matter, really. Uh, Nintendo doesn't do it. They just do a booth, and that's kind of their representation, and then they do the treehouse thing, or the direct... Is it a direct or a treehouse? Or is du- I don't remember. Is the treehouse the whole thing? I don't know. I, nah. But, but <laughs> PlayStation definitely kind of showed that if you don't have anything and you don't show up, it's better than showing up and trying to say that you have a lot of stuff. Yeah. So they learned that the hard yeah, way. But but PlayStation also went out and said, "Hey, we're just going to do our own conference a couple years ago," and they did PSX. And Xbox did what the XO something or other XO18 was the one that did oh, it back in, in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, which was interesting, but a lot of people loved it. So, I mean, it's it puts this big emphasis of is it worth spending millions of dollars to put on this huge production to go to this event for a specific reason? Or do you play EA's route where it's like they haven't shown up for years and they just do their own thing for the last couple of years? And like Nintendo, where they don't show up at all unless it's just a booth, which they do at PAX and they do at all the other different conferences too. Well, I guess it just depends on where everyone else is at with like the majority of, of gamers are, are casual gamers. I mean, that's just a fact. Um, but I guess like you'd have to think about whether or not casual gamers follow publishers and follow uh, developers and know who makes what. Cause for the longest time I, I didn't care about who made my game. Now I do. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If I, if I don't like people who are making that game, I'm not going to buy it when it first releases. I'm going to wait a couple months just to make sure it's going to be what I want it mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. I mean, and to go back to when we were talking about the indies, it is a grander stage for those indies to start stepping up. But then you start to look at like, well, anytime they're going to show those indies, it's usually in like a scissor reel of like, they're going to be put in 40 seconds of 40 games. Like they're going to get one frame and then they're just going to be off to the next game. So, where you get things like how Kind of Funny did it this year, where Kind of Funny hosted their own like indie showcase, where they showed I think I I don't remember, but Kind of Funny did a, their own thing, and they brought in all these indie developers, and then they highlighted them for their Twitch stream. Hmm. So it's like, is that the better route for indie developers to just go into smaller routes and try to hit audiences where they think that? these people are already going to be interested, so we might as well show them this game. Or do they try to keep doing what... Try to sign with Xbox and Nintendo because they both did it this year. They just did, like, a minute, and then they showed, like, 30 games all at one time where it was like, okay, there's that game, there's that... Okay, I missed that. Okay, that one. All right, whatever. I'm not going to write all this Yeah, yeah. So... 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's... And again, I'm more of just throwing out devil's advocate questions. Like, my opinion of it is more of, like, I think they should... Indie developers should do as much as they can to put their game in the light. So that means going to E3 and trying to do that. And that half a frame is guaranteeing them an extra thousand units sold. Then by all means, like go to E3. But I think that the PAX Mega Indie booth is like way better. Oh, abs- Oh, by far, yeah. Um, I guess the main difference there is like if you take PAX for example. I mean, PAX isn't super you know, televised or anything like that. I mean, they have certain things that they do um, show that they broadcast, but it's not like how E3 is where everything that's going to be there is going to have in some shape or form, long or short, you know, be up on the main stage because pretty much everything on the main stage is going to be broad. Everything on main stage can be broadcasted, Mm -hmm. but there isn't really a main stage at PAX. There's just multiple stages everywhere of like stuff you get to go do it's um it's a very different experience so it's i guess e3 is more for like the whole world to see and things like pax is more so for you know the the true grant the true gamers to see the diehards yeah. that have the maybe they might buy this game but them that trying buy it out the game is the... and probably get the merch because it's badass yeah yeah um yeah i don't know i think it's uh it's definitely an interesting question where We've seen different examples of where E3 has been a great thing and has been an awesome thing, but we've seen attendance drop. The Them opening it up to the public hasn't really helped them. Yeah. Like E3 and its conference in general, the E3 Expo, is not as popular as where people get more excited when they're at the PAX events, that the RTX is... A, all that's these different events. That's because, like, E3, there's not a whole lot to do other than well, I just mean, test like, out those those games where PAX has other stuff you get to go do, too. Yeah, but, I mean, there's there's Gamescom, and Gamescom succeeded, and they actually are growing so big that they have to build, the, they have to make a bigger venue every single time, and now it's just, like, they've maxed out. I think they went up, like, 5,000 extra people last year than what they were at the year in 2017 or something like that. I don't know. I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. Nice. But, but the thing is, is like Gamescom still continues on. It is in a different country. I think it's either in France or Germany. It's in Europe. I think I it's remember. in Germany. So is it because they don't have a PAX over there and that's why they do it? I don't know if there are any other conventions that are in that area, but like Gamescom seems to be okay. It's just E3 kind of falling short in well, different ways. I've heard from my, um, one or two people that I've known that have gone there. It's just a, two. it seems to E3. Okay. They said it's pretty lackluster with things that you get to do there. Mm. Um, and it's still like super expensive around there. Like, well, things, you're in Los Angeles. Yeah, so it's like on top of that. So it's just they they found that there was all the stuff that they wanted to go do was just the lines were insanely long, which, you know, with that sort of thing you should expect, but they said that it's like in some cases, you know, they they'll be waiting in line for like over 2 hours for one game. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what to do to fix that. <laughs> like yeah. I is it is it because, like, when we go to PAX, I don't think I've ever waited two hours to play. No, I, I can, yeah. Yeah, and I've gone since 2012, and so I, with PAX West being originally PAX Prime, and so, like, PAX Prime was 
alone, and then PAX East was kind of the only two, and then Australia joined, and then South. And so I don't know if those, because there are four different PAXs now, that the numbers kind of dwindled. I haven't really noticed. I think it's always been popular. They sell out. I will say, I think I have noticed a little bit in ticket sales. Either they get more tickets and have bigger venues, so that allows them to have more of a population, or because of PAX West being four days and it's also, you know, East, South, and Australia exist, I think it's kind of crowd-controlled its own self that allows it so that... So does that mean that maybe if we introduce, like, E3 East... Like in New York, like would that help the numbers and make E three thrive? One in January, one in like the like one in quarter one, one in quarter four, or something like that. I don't. I honestly don't think so because I mean a lot of because like what you expect from E three is big shit. Yeah. Like every year, there needs to be some big news coming. Some and people refer to it as our video game Super Bowl. It's yeah. like the big show. This is the stage. This is where we're going to see things that are coming out this year, next year, and beyond. And it's like like kind of why I'm glad Sony, you know, even though I'm not big on Sony, um, I think it was a smart move for them to s- stop going because they would kept showing the same shit. Yeah. And last year. year was definitely the big last nail in the coffin on Sony's situation. But they realized that. Yeah. it's So, just, so it's, it's if you put out too much... if. Too many Super Bowls, they become less like a Super Bowl. Fair. So, if it's something literally to show off the big stuff that's happening in the industry this year and next year, you only need one. Mm-hmm. You only need one. So, with that said, would you still go to... Let me ask you this. You had an option to go to PAX whatever, whatever PAX you wanted to go to, versus E3. PAX. You would go to PAX. Absolutely. See, does that not indicate, though, that maybe E3 is diminishing in its value? Well, here's the thing. I mean, E3, I don't plan on going. I'm sh- I, Maybe I'll go once. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just throwing out, if you had an all-expense-paid trip to either PAX you want to go to, or in E3, like, you would still choose PAX. I would. Um you know the the reason being is that PAX is more geared towards the the players, and you know if E3 is more so about showing off what's going on, you don't need to be there to experience it. You know you can, you know like this E3, I was sitting in an Xbox Live party chat with some of my buddies, and we were watching E3 together. I mean, all you really watch E3 for is the information. Mm-hmm. What you go to PAX for is an insane experience of testing out games that you would never even... They haven't even seen the light of day until you they show up at PAX. Like, mm-hmm. you get to see new games. You get to test out new games um, that are going to be coming out. Oftentimes, you get to... T- um, when they have new consoles available, those are going to be there. Um, they have loads of VR stuff. If you're into that sort of thing, they got tons of different booths going on. Um so many different venues within the event. Mm. So it's, I haven't been to E3, so I can't speak too much about it. E3 does have the, the bigger venues and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think when it all comes full circle for me, I, I look at all of these different other events, the smaller events, the more like intimate events where the game creator can communicate to, a player and actually have a conversation when you're at PAX 
uh, you can actually talk to the guy who probably made the game and he's standing yep. right there you can talk to like graphic designers and things like that to hook yourself back into it and i'm not saying e3 doesn't do that because i i'm pretty sure a lot of them do that but this is their hollywood show this is the the big blockbuster event you want to get everyone out there you want to hire all these people uh i remember there was actually uh, a g4 thing that they did uh, a couple years back where they um Inter- tried interviewing a lot of people to see if they actually knew about the game and they didn't know about the game it oh, was wow. because they were just hired people but they were trying to still sell it as if they knew what was going on it's it was crazy uh i think it was g4 that did that but regardless i i don't know i i don't know if the bigger show is the better way to do it xbox has put on events by themselves they don't need to go to los angeles to present stuff they can easily do it in redmond they did it not well but they did it (laughs) playstation has done their own conference nintendo doesn't even do conferences they just do tree houses or um directs Directs. throughout the year playstation started doing that they're not great either um but i don't know I, i i don't know where like if you asked me five years ago where would E3 be, I would be saying, oh, man, we're going to be getting all this cool stuff because the Xbox One and the PS4 just came out. Now I'm kind of looking at it as like five years from now. I don't know what E3 will be. I don't know if it can continue on hmm. the path that it's on right now. If they just change things or try to redirect things. And who knows? Maybe it just stays the same. Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony show up, and they're just like, yep, we're going to do the same thing. We've done this for the last decade and a half or 20 years or whatever. But there has been years where E3 doesn't happen. They took a break and then they came back. So I don't know if they need that. I don't know what needs to go on. Maybe. I don't know. It's I Next year should be one of their biggest years because they're going to be showing off everything about the new consoles. They should anyway because they're coming out holiday 2020. Yep. So well, Xbox has said that they will be. Well, I'm sure PlayStation, uh, pro- will be PlayStation probably will be. But, hey, you know, who knows? Sometimes the people like to get in a little bit earlier, maybe sometimes a little bit later, see what's the... Maybe. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. It, it should be a good E3 next year. This year was, meh. The year before, meh. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, I have hope. Hope. That's all we can ask for. Ladies and gentlemen, if you guys have anything that you guys want to say about E3, whether you love it or you hate it, go in the comment section below and tell us what you love about it and why E3 needs to stick around. Or in the comment section below, put why we don't need E3 anymore and maybe a new convention is the one that needs to take that title of Mm. the best conference of the year. But we are going to move on to the next topic. Topic number two is... Something that was kind of announced in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Switch Lite is the one that was announced. Uh, like, I only found out because I woke up, I looked at my Instagram, and I saw IGN post, Nintendo announces a new Switch. And I was like, huh? What is, what is that? And I, like, I'm strolling, trying to figure out. What do you, uh, tell me a little about the Switch Lite. What's going on with that thing? Well, it's basically a, a Switch... But not a Switch. It's more like a DS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's a it two DS essentially. Doesn't uh, does not hook up to a TV or a monitor. It's just mm-hmm. straight up on the pad. The Joy Cons do not detach. There's no charging dock station. You have to just plug it in via USB C probably. Yeah. Um, 
and it's smaller screen, longer battery life. And that's pretty much comes in it. three designer colors. No HD rumble. No HD rumble, huh? I did not know that. No HD rumble. Okay. What about um, these colors? Do you like these? Uh, it's like teal, like yellow, mustard yellow. Yep. I would say like that menu yellow. Can we get that menu right there? I'm not gonna. Don't show the uh, company name here. It's like this yellow. <laughs> a little darker. Yeah. Um, um, and then there was like a, a gray one. That's it. Just that's three. It. There's just three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of those stick out to you? If you had two hundred dollars light on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, no okay no none of those none of those were great no yeah i don't know this is an interesting thing it it does retail at 199 which is what i believe i predicted in the uh in the e3 th- uh, prediction you did was the cheaper version was gonna be 199 now if we get a big version and it's 299 then i win i won the, i predicted all that it won't be though you know <laughs> they wouldn't do that they they'd at least tack on it on an extra 50 bucks. Maybe. I think there that if there is a big one that's coming, it will replace the uh but that's a different topic for a different time. Well, yeah, I mean. Oh, could, okay. they, do you they, want to say something? They, they could go like with the DS model or how they go with lights and then the XLs and whatnot. True, they did get rid of the lights eventually. <laughs> they yes. just went with XLs. I don't XL. know why we needed a light version, but of the Switch. Yeah. Uh I don't know either. I think this is definitely... You had mentioned this before we started recording, and I'll let you explain your, your piece of it. I'm just going to drop it in there. But um, you had said, why did we need a DS... Or, sorry, why did we need a Switch Lite? And then, what does that mean with the DS? Where does that fit the 3DS now? Yeah. Where Nintendo said when this launched, when the Switch launched, that we will have three pillars. Like, not verbatim of what they said but they essentially said we're gonna do mobile we're gonna do console and we're gonna do ds like we're gonna do the switch the ds and mobile that's our thing it's not looking like that's what's gonna happen in about a year and a half it looks like it's maybe changing because i mean the only difference so the main difference there is the ds i believe you can still fit in your pocket yes we don't uh, now we know it's a smaller switch. Yeah, but not that much smaller. It's, it's by it, an inch. Okay, because it looks less like the size inch. of a PS yeah. Vita. It's like a little bit less than an inch smaller. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I guess it's kind of taking away the what makes the switch good. You know, sure. it's it's a hybrid console, um, which is it was its major selling point. If it's you can play it on the go, you can play it at home on a, on the big screen. Now uh, IGN did put a a poll out there, and I'm willing, I'm curious to hear what your answer is. Do you play the console docked, handheld, and I'm going to add this one or both? I do both, depending because like here's here's my thing. So percentage wise, what are we working? Most with? of the time, so it's eighty twenty, eighty twenty on the on the big screen. So 80% you're playing docked, 20% you're playing handheld. Yeah. Okay. That's me. I mean, it's I typically will take it if I'm going to go out on a trip, if I'm going to be on a plane. Oh, it's my go-to thing. Fuck my phone. I'm hopping on the Switch, um, yep. waiting in line at PAX. Oh, that reminds me. i got to get a big battery. I actually uh, just bought a, <laughs> uh, a battery pack, a backpack for that thing. It actually plugs in. Anyway, that's a different thing. Okay. I'll, I'll look at that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, for me... It just seems kind of like they're making a big fat 2DS. It, a vertical or horizontal yeah, DS. It's, uh, yeah. it's very weird. I, I definitely look at this as 
because I, I I didn't watch the Nintendo video that they posted. I, I Nate was watching it, and I kind of was just kept asking questions of like, is there a reason to buy this thing? And I don't think there really is a reason to buy the game or the, the not game the console. Is there a reason to buy the console? To me, but it's not a console. It's a handheld. I mean, I look at eh, well, that's a different topic. <laughs> but the the thing I look at it is like, is this worth buying? Is it worth owning? If you have a Switch already, I think absolutely not. There's no reason to actually buy this thing unless you have one and then your kid wants it, plays yours, and you're like, I don't want to pay an extra $100 to yeah. get the other one. That, so here you go. Here, play my shitty one. Yeah, that was one thing that I was seeing in um, some of the comments because I saw it on social media first and saw it on Twitter. Um, and people were saying, oh, yeah, I'll get this for my kid. You know, it's. It's if that was their target audience, then they probably hit it because I there's lots of parents in the comments saying, "Oh yeah, I'll get this for my for my kids." Well, if we look back at the history, no more broken Joy Cons. Yeah, if we look back at the history of the DS, from the DS to the DS Lite to the 3DS to the 2DS, we saw the reason why they made the 2DS was so that kids could play it. Kids under seven aren't really supposed to be seeing the 3d images that they do i guess it messes with your eyes i don't know um mm. but the the so the 2ds was created it was bigger it was bulkier it was something that you could drop and then it was like oh well it's not broken uh otherwise the ds would snap screen and be screwed out of your money there uh and then they created the 2ds xl which is the big foldy one um but to me this is definitely a 2ds to the 3ds sort of situation yeah so yeah i mean for me, I mean, there's no reason uh, to buy it unless you have a kid. I mean, if if you're gonna if you're willing to spend two hundred dollars on a console, what's another hundred dollars? Yeah, I guess so. For but another hundred dollars could buy you a game. Actually, could buy a couple yes, games. Could buy but a game and some digital content. Right. Too. But if you're looking at it this way, the only thing that is really like in any sense. I mean, this isn't supposed to be an upgrade but the only thing that is better on it is the battery life and that's because it's smaller. That's true. yeah and it, it doesn't have to charge your joy cons all the time yeah um yeah i don't know i i personally would look at this and go this is ridiculous i don't know what this is but that's kind of what i felt about the 2ds and it, then it sold millions of cops or maybe not millions but hundreds of thousands at least <laughs> of units to add to the ds line and to make that console bigger and in and more households and whatnot um but this to me seems like it's the ds killer this there's now no reason once the ds uh sorry the switch light comes out that the 2ds exists that the 3ds exists because yeah. now it's at the same price point actually the 2ds might be 150 bucks i'm not sure and maybe the actually the 2ds might be 100 but anyway the thing is is like now you're kind of competing with yourselves because you're the only ones that make handheld consoles now. <laughs> like the Vita does well in Japan, but it don't do well here. So or worldwide at all. Yeah, I guess the only thing that the DS is going to be saved on is its size. I mean, that's that's really it because you can still fit in your pocket. The Switch, you need a case. Like you need a case to carry it around. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's just not very practical. Yeah, but I mean. If they come out and say that there's no difference in graphics and things like that, maybe the people that looked at the the Switch and said, I would never play that as a docked mode at all, which I, I don't. I don't really do that. I play my Switch 
exclusively handheld. Like, I've always wanted to play Pokemon on t- the TV, but I still have yet to do that, and I've owned Let's Go since Christmas of last year. So it's like, I I don't really feel like doing that because I like having the ability to play and then have something else going on on TV if I'm like just binge watching something or if I'm getting watching a show that I'm not really too interested in or a boring parts happening, I can play like when I'm watching like wrestling and stuff like that. I'll usually play my switch and just kind of hear the noise. And if something's happening, then I'll pause it and watch the, watch the thing and whatnot. Mm. But the, maybe that might be an incentive for someone to go, well, I'm not going to hook this thing up anyway. Only an extra hundred bucks. and I get to hook it up. Oh, I'm just going to buy the one ninety nine thing. So I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like the switch being, more so, well, I mean, like I said, it's a hybrid. Um, well, it's in the same. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. That's what uh, I think. IGN posted a thing on Instagram as well of the joke of like, what do we call the new console now that it doesn't switch? Like they're referring to it. Nintendo has officially called it Switch Lite, but it's not. It's a not switch. a Switch. So like, what what would you call this thing? Paperweight. <laughs> like what? What are we calling this thing? I don't know. Does it even it doesn't have a kickstand either? I don't think. No, no kickstand. Because there's no reason to yeah. have it. Yeah. No kickstand. Can you play with a pro controller? Did you? I. You didn't see that. I, part. I, okay. I didn't see. See, that would be the interesting thing. Can you play with a pro controller? Because then you could technically like put it up there. But <laughs> you, I mean, you'd have to jostle it around. I'm gonna say no because otherwise they would put in the cook, a kickstand. That's true. It's very true. But That's how, just how do you how do you play with others? You can't. See, it takes all the whole selling points of the Switch. If you can't kickstand it, then you obviously can't share and play with somebody. You can't play like Mario Kart with somebody unless they had a Switch. So it's like, what? what is this thing? Like, why does this thing exist? Like, I'm still trying to... Taking all my opinions aside, why did Nintendo look at the Switch and was like, you know what? Let's make a cheaper version, a plasticier version, and... Able so that you can't play with your friends anymore, <laughs> like unless you had a Nintendo subscription. Like I, I don't see why this was a good business move. But then again, I'm not, I'm not a CEO of Nintendo. I'm not. What's his name? Dave Bowser. What's his name? Yeah, but this was <laughs> Dave this Batista. Had to have been in like <laughs> production before he became. That's true. This is the uh, this is the Nintendo. new uh, head of the actual president of Nintendo, the Japanese guy. Mm-hmm. Like this is under his realm now. It's kind of the Phil Spencer effect, where he's kind of that role for Nintendo. Well, I mean, he's just he's just in head of um, Nintendo US. No, not I'm not talking about Bowser. I'm talking about the Japanese guy, the old one. Remember, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, <sighs> anyway, Reggie something. No, that's different. That's the, <laughs> Reggie was the guy that was Nintendo US. Anyway, let's oh. bounce away from this. Oh, one. you mean like the head head? Yes, oh. the head of of the Nintendo itself. But anyway, I I don't know. I can't. Like, if they had announced we're getting a Switch Lite and we're getting a Switch XL, let's call it that, that to me would make sense. Because then you have the option of, like, here's the bigger one. If you want to spend an extra, we'll say your $50, then go buy this one. If you want to spend the 200 you buy this one, the standard one. Or if you want to save $100 and get a game with it, go buy the cheap version. But when you just say, like, Here's our old one, and then here's the $199 one. And it's like, okay, well, then, well I'm still going to buy your new, your old one because your $199 one doesn't – there's nothing – you're taking stuff away and not really adding things. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like with every light version, I think it's just for people who aren't really super committed to 
you know, the idea, but they're still Nintendo fans, but they don't want to sh- shell out $300, or they want it for their kids. Nintendo's a lot more family-friendly. Oh, yeah, it is. So. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's a hundred. This is one ninety nine. Yeah, right? yeah, it's one ninety nine. And so then the regular Switch is two ninety nine. I mean, it's still a lot to spend on a seven year old, but uh, true. You but know, people buy their kids iPads and that's iPhones. That's also so true. That's a thing as well. So I mean, you know, do what you do. I mean, my opinion is, you know, I game a lot, so uh, I don't want that piece of shit light. Yeah. So I I don't know. There's there's a lot to uh, to leave in the the realm of trying to understand this thing, but. I mean, if it if it somehow runs better, somehow runs better, it will not because it's not pushing it's X it's and Y light. and Z. I know, but I'm just saying, if it says that, then there's a reason. There's at least a reason where you can sacrifice all of these other things so that you can have a Zelda run better. Well, it does need to run better. That's that's a fact. But the thing is, is like. Right now, all you're saying is this thing runs games the same way with shittier equipment and sh- shittier, like, bullet points of it has this, this, and this. It doesn't even have rumble on it. Yeah, and that's, the like, all these major selling points that Nintendo did when the Switch came out. The HD rumble, the, the docking system, the uh, Joy-Cons. The the kickstand, the ability to play with another player if you wanted to, like all these things that made the Switch unique. They've essentially recreated the PSP. <laughs> like because it's not even a Vita. Like the Vita had the back touch screen at least. Like this one, okay, sure a PSP didn't have front touch screen. And this one maybe has that? I didn't see that have on the list either. But let's say it does. And I'm just going to say, you've made a PSP that has a touchscreen on the front. Because mm. the Vita at least has front and back, so it's a little bit different. I don't know. I just, I, the PSP Vita didn't succeed here. What makes the, v, the, the Switch Lite able to succeed when that console didn't? Don't know. They probably, I, mean, I can't imagine them making a lot of them. Sure. To be honest, I mean, they'll probably, to each store, maybe send two of each color. I don't see what do you think the ratio of like you, you kind of answered that of switch to switch Lite? if if you were to send all right Nintendo is sending 10 of them to target how many of them do you think would be regular and how many of them do you think are going to be colored well or I the, mean, the light when it first launches I mean there's probably still there's probably going to be more like 50 50 okay let's say av- like uh, like an average time of average time so let's say six months post-launch sure i'm gonna say it's gonna be maybe you'll get three lights of each color or just no, probably just whatever lights. the popular one is just, yeah just whatever yeah. the popular ones just are just randomly because i don't feel like they're gonna sell that well i mean because i mean it's so you're it's, giving them six months and it's just gonna the, it'll die off yeah i mean i absolutely because, so by i mean it's by next year now you for your kids yeah so it's coming out in september is that right i think so by around uh, the quarter two, you think we're just going to be at? They're just going to exist, and no yeah. one's really going to. I mean, it's. To I think it's just mainly going to be for kids, and that's fine. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's not our market. I'll I'll wait. I'll wait for the for the next one. The chunky guy. I want the big bulky the motherfucker. Big, the big yeah. boy. I got big hands, so that's fine. <laughs> if it's a little thicker, that's fine. Yeah, you like a little girth to yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, little, a little bit. You want to like. 
grab it. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about the Switch Lite is the uh, branding name for this thing that Nintendo decided to name this abomination. Uh, make sure you leave it in the comment section below whether you think this is a great idea and that Nintendo is on track to making the Switch uh, make the switch line? great again. Yeah, make the switch great again. It wasn't ever not great, <laughs> but I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, they, they took away the switch. It was part, good. So it was good. yeah, they took they away took that. away the good part of the switch. Yeah. So if you guys uh, think that the switch is on the right track, make sure you leave in the comment section why you think that the switch light is a good idea. But if you think that the switch light is a terrible idea and you have no idea what the heck nintendo is thinking put in the comment section below why you think that and we will go down there and read it and uh see what you guys think about what all the uh all switch light is doing um but yeah final thoughts on the switch light good idea bad idea overall no in-betweens good idea bad idea bad idea bad idea i'm gonna say bad idea too but you know i'm i'm willing to see what happens as well but i'm like I said, I wish them best no in-betweens. No in-betweens. I'm going to say it's a bad idea right now. I hope they profit off of it because I like Nintendo, but uh, it is a thumbs down for me. July 11th, when this episode comes out, it will be two weeks after that, but I I think right now it is a bad idea. So. Anyway, we're moving on to our third and final <laughs> topic. Wow. Are digital games a waste of time? No. A waste of money? No. A waste of effort? No. Okay. Why do you think that? I think that because you have the game sharing aspect. You do. Where you can... You can pull the uh, the old bougie... Uh, not bougie, but the uh, scumbag Netflix account effect where you have one person buy the game... And then you get to play it. How does that make you a scumbag? If, if, they, didn't, saying, if just, they didn't want it on there, <laughs> I mean, it it's be not on the there. purpose of why it's there. It's been in effect for like that's over true. five years. If they wanted to change it, they could change it. But they, I'm just saying they could. that's not what the reasoning of why they added it. But they're what they're more focused on right right now in the, in the game industry is not you know game sales very important obviously, but they're also worried about how many players they have on all the time. Mm-hmm. That shows how well the game's doing. Okay. Um, I think they're more interested in those numbers than the actual sales because if their game doesn't have players on it all the time, why are they going to buy your next game? That's true. That's true. My thing, the reason why I think digital game Now, I own digital games. I, I'm not saying I don't buy digital games. But I think there's there's a big, giant question now that Telltale left. One big, major question is when a game company goes away, does that give them the right to remove games off of your account that you purchased at full price? Here, me let, let me example. Let me pull this example here. This isn't a true example, but let me just pull it up. Actually, we'll use a true example. Um, Minecraft Story Edition, Story Mode. That's what it was. Minecraft Story Mode that made by Telltale. If you buy that game physical, you can play the game. You can play the whole first one boom it's on disc you can play the full complete thing if you own that game digitally steam xbox playstation i don't know if it went to nintendo it's gone you can't download it if you downloaded it before they took it off you can still play it but you can't play it now so it opened up this question that 
and they're not the first to do this. There are, there are games that are on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 that just disappear from your library that you won't even know until you check back and you're like, oh, yeah, didn't I own this game? And you're like, oh, yeah, this game doesn't – it's not available to buy, so I can't get this anymore. So when you buy the game, should you be able to have the game 100% all the time? Let's just ask that question first. Absolutely. Okay. So now that that question's out, what what now though? What why why is it okay for Telltale or any other company when they go under to just take their game off the marketplace? And then what maybe is an alternative for that? Because there's obvious reasons of why the game is taken off the marketplace. I know you're probably yelling in your car, going, "Why?" Well, it's because there's no one, there's no servers where you can download this from. But in a perfect world, what gives them the right? To just take that they game off. They technically don't. It would be illegal because you're taking away something that's... Well, clearly bot. it's not illegal. Yeah, but you have to look at... So you said in perfect world. Okay. <laughs> let's, so. I, was more of, I was more of fitting in that scenario, but... Let, in this scenario, yeah, I wh- guess I'd have to understand the reason why mm-hmm. you know, their stuff was taken off. But in a perfect world... Uh, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Okay. Yeah, okay. it shouldn't happen. You feel... If when Telltale went under, that the game should still be available to purchase, but then it goes into this question—not to purchase, oh, or just available yeah. for people that have downloaded it. Yeah. So you're saying, let me let me try and wrap what you what you you're trying to say is, I bought Minecraft Story Mode. I should be able to download that game anytime I want. But for the people that want to buy it new, like for them to buy it, like let's say you didn't play it. But Telltale went under, and you're like, oh, I still want to buy it. If it's not available for you to buy, is that still okay? But I'm still available. To, I'm still able to download my game. Is that okay? We're like, okay. Yes, absolutely. So, like, I bought my game, but you can't buy yeah, the game because Yeah, if you bought yours available. before they went under, you just haven't played it. Yes. Yeah. I, think I should, should still have the availability. Yeah. But and, you're okay with them not, removing the, from the store. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, but the, the thing is, though, I mean, it, if in that case... You're not able to download something that you bought because, mm-hmm. you know, unforeseen, you know, to you. I think that the you should get a refund for that. Okay. Through so whatever, you know, under Xbox or whoever, because they got a percentage of that sale. See, that's what makes things even crazier when you start diving into a lot of these things. Is like retailers don't get a big cut from a lot of these games. Like, if, if it's not a Microsoft game, Microsoft's not really making any money on this thing. They're making maybe a dollar or two, and the rest of that goes to the developer. So the big pie is it asks this question of, okay, so the Telltale went under. The game now can be refunded to you. Who the hell is paying that money? <laughs> because... All the Xbox is going to do is they're going to go, all right, well, we'll give you $2 because <laughs> that's all you got to, like, I'm just trying to be more of an asshole about asking this question, but like, what is who's paying that money when Telltale is bankrupt? Well, how much was how much was this Minecraft story mode? I think with DLC, it probably equaled to maybe thirty, forty bucks. Yeah. So, so I mean, they could at least give you like a gift gift card because uh, it happened on their store still. That I mean, sure, because they like, still have codes. But the the problem is, is then Xbox is losing this money if if it's me if it was just one dude they probably would be like all right yeah here's 20 bucks but now it's like let's say a thousand people bought that you know that that's 20 dollar gift cards handed out to thousands of people 
It gets a little pricey. And then more worse is that game actually succeeded. So it's probably into the tens, maybe hundreds of thousands that bought that game. It, I don't know. But but the, the, what's weird is this question doesn't just revolve around video games. It revolves around music, too. I, I bought a album years ago uh, from Kevin McCall. And now that, that album is gone. It is not on iTunes. But I paid money for that. And Apple didn't even email me saying like, "Oh yeah, the game's not or the the songs aren't available anymore." And it, so it it introduces this whole dynamic of, okay, well then shouldn't I have gotten that money back because I spent money on this thing? But it kind of I don't know. But it's I just, guess that's also why didn't you download it? I did download it. Oh, like you're talking about? They deleted it off my phone. It's like gray, and I can't. I can actually show you. It's just this gray bar. And it sh- it says the the name of the song, and it's just I can't listen to it. I wonder but banter about this sort of thing. What? Okay. How so do you feel in general about this topic, and then comparing that to your idea about digital games? I guess. Okay. So for me, my question is for the Minecraft. Same. Oh wow. They're all. It says this song is not currently available in your country or region, wow. but they're just. It's just removed from iTunes. Um, so for the Minecraft story thing, did you have it downloaded? I did. I was not able to download it. Okay, no. so I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Still, really sucks and shouldn't happen. Yeah. But I can understand how that. But taking shit out of your library that you have downloaded, that ain't right. Okay. They did. They did warn everybody. They're like, I think, like about a week ahead of time. They're like, we're removing it. So download it, but after that, we're, it's gone forever. But it's like, I don't know, it just still is a little shitty of a situation. But it, it, it drives up an interesting question because then it's like all of the consoles and even Google starting this way are starting to lean towards digital content. So it's like, is it better to just subscribe to a service than to actually buy the game knowing that maybe somewhere in the future your thousands of dollars in games are just going to disappear eventually. Like maybe when you maybe not now, maybe not today, maybe yeah, not cause 10 you only have years so much from space. now. But like cuz you only have so much space for that. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. That's that's something to ponder, you know. I mean that maybe that is why people are, you know, all these companies are going towards streaming. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it lightens up server space where people start to forget about games. But what's the shitty part about all of this is it it kind of forces people to forget about games and not naturally just, oh, yeah, I remember that game. I wish I could go back and play that game. It's like, well, too bad because the game doesn't exist anymore. But it's like people worked on that game and it could be available. It's like, um, but then there's these games that, you start to wonder, like, who owns these games? Like, when THQ went under, you were still able to buy Destroy All Humans. But, like, then THQ Nordic picked it up, and then now they own the whole thing, and it's getting a remake. But mm. but the thing is, is, like, what happens when there's these games in limbo that you're buying these games for, your console, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, there's, this is, th- who, where did my money go? <laughs> like, where is all this money going? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for me, I like digital games. You know, I can just, I don't have to 
go up to my console and you like it. the convenient factor. i like the convenience okay. um the reason i don't like streaming is because it's that same issue is going to happen a lot more often you don't own anything on there mm-hmm. you can like say for example you want to watch top gun on netflix you can go buy that movie and have it forever that's true you cannot do that once everything stri- switches over to streaming because yeah. they're not gonna no one's gonna be selling um so let me let me disc let me, games after they get yeah. rid of disc drives eventually you brought up movies let me ask you this scenario thank god this hasn't happened but i mean it, it sort of happens but it, it it's not gone forever let's say Let's say Top Gun. You want to watch Top Gun, but Paramount went under, or whoever owns that. We'll say Paramount. I don't know who actually owns it. And now it's not available to buy. You can't buy it anywhere. You can't download it. You can't buy it physically in stores. And some movies are like that. You can't actually, like, you have to go on eBay and buy some third-party disc from some dude in his basement that he found the disc in, or the VHS tape or something like that. What does that? How does that make you feel? If they if they did that with movies, where like, oh yeah, you love Top Gun, but now you just can't watch it anymore because the studio went under, and they remove it everywhere. Yeah, it suck. So it's like, what is the difference between the movies and the video games? Well, the difference. Well, here's how it would work with the um, with the movies, though. I mean, how it, I feel it would work. I mean, it's just a licensing agreement. True. That's what video games are. That's though. what video games are as well. Yeah. So I mean. My thing is, why are they able to, you know, how are they able to go under even if their kids still be getting, like, royalty checks? That's the big question. Like, because Destroy All Humans was the situation of that, where it was in this limbo for half of whatever, how long, and then all of a sudden THQ Nordic came around and bought up a lot of old THQ licensing and therefore allowed a source to be given money, oh, lucky them, and then uh, was able to be bought again. You could buy it on PlayStation. That There's a remake coming. There's all these different things that Destroy Humans is doing. So that is kind of how they did it. Why Microsoft didn't pick up Minecraft Story Mode shocks me. It's their license. I don't know why yeah, they didn't IP, do that. Yeah, so. it's their IP. So I don't know why they didn't just buy it. Maybe that that's going to happen with all these Telltale games. That's what saved The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead will continue living on because skybound now has the rights to the games so but games like more with the telltale games uh the wolf among us uh sam and max like all these games are sort of in this thing in this realm of like it's a matter of time before they get taken or maybe someone did buy them and we just don't know yet i i don't know like but right now they're gonna sit in that that spot in theory for my opinion, I think digital games are a real good convenience. The The fact that you can just go to your buddy's house and we're like, oh, let me just sign in and download the game and have fun playing this game instead of bringing your whole console or bringing a disc with well, you. Well, that and it can't be stolen. That's also true. So it there is a giant amazing factor that you can download this 78 gigabyte game and just play it from your console, but then you're like, oh, I don't want to play this anymore. I'll just play Red Dead Redemption, and then boop, right there, you're playing Red Dead. Yeah. Anymore. It's it's pretty nice. I mean, the only the only thing that is holding me back from saying just get rid of disk drives and the consoles is the ability to play movies that I own. Okay. Cause but now they're once, once I know, but once <laughs> those disk drives are gone, um, 
all my DVDs become and Blu-rays become useless. That's what happened with VHS. However, <laughs> however, it does usually each new movie comes with um, a digital download code. That is true because so they know that you're not going to watch the physical version. Event, yeah, eventually it's not going to be there. So I will say the best way to watch 4K is on a disc because then there's not any interference. It's just 4K. Yeah, solid being played for the disc, but. Uh, I don't know, man. That as somebody that it, it's kind of one of those things that you don't really think about until it actually affects you, and it's not a big deal. But it's like just that thought of like, oh, I actually spent money on this game. I actually bought this game, and now it's gone forever. I can't play it anymore. It sits there, saying that I I have it, but I can't ever download it anymore. It's just in gone. <laughs> so, um. I think that's a really big, big bummer that just starts to hit of this idea of we could lose games forever and we could just never know that they're gone. And that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what happens when uh, consoles get introduced that obviously games fall behind and they're not able to be accessed anymore or played on the newer stuff. But, and that's why remakes and HD remasters are a good idea. But the, the thought of like, oh, I want to play the saboteur, but I can't ever play that game unless I go back on the 360 right. and I put the saboteur in. So, I don't know. It just uh, the, it, this is the little thing that bugs me to a thing that's still an amazing idea. <laughs> so yeah, it's I don't know. It's I'm sure we're gonna look back on it after you know the next ten years once disc drives are just gone completely. Sure. Um, when the Scarlet like, Two comes out and stuff like that, we're just gonna be like. Why do we fight this so much? Like, yeah. this is okay. I mean, I I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't play like, this game anyway. Our consoles are so much better now because they don't have to fill it I up. I can't with play Pong drive. on my Xbox. I don't see me anyone else complaining. Yeah. So I mean, it's we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's right now. It's a scary thing. It's a scary yeah. thought, but eventually it'll be for the better. Have you experienced a negative form with your digital stuff? No. No. You've. Fully, this is a great idea. Sort of. Never. I mean, the only the only issue that I'll ever have, because I mean, I don't have enough storage space, um, so I'll uninstall games. But again, once those, if a company goes under, I'm going to lose that game forever. True. So I mean, that's the only drawback that I can see with the digital games, and you know, you can't resell them. But fuck GameStop. So. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, any final top? Any final thoughts of that? I'm good. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up. Episode 28 of Bitcade. If you have any uh, opinion about are digital games still a good idea or is it a, the devil in disguise, put it in the comment section below what you think about digital games in all their glory. Put it in. Um, that's going to be it. That is the end of Bitcade. And uh, that is going to... See, I add the little ding there. See, yeah. I, I told... Okay. I always explain it and the music is still going. I have to finish it before the song ends. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys want to follow us on all of our social media, links are in the description below and you guys can go and access that whenever you would like to. Uh, you can hit the subscribe button. Do that, please, because it helps us out. It grows the channel. Uh, it allows us to know that uh, there are people out there that want to join the PT Nation and uh, make, the, uh, make, make these videos a part of a community tell a fucking friend yeah for five it. yeah do that's it. even better tell five um ashton you are uh, on another website representing primal target what, what other website is that 
Mixer.com slash Primal Target. Yep. We're Mixer. killing it over there, man. Yeah, you, you kind of... What, what, what time of the day do you normally aim for? So normally, uh, life permitting, life, <laughs> life happens. Yeah. Uh, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, but if you want to know all the latest on what's going on with Mixer, you want to, you know, oh, what, is he not streaming today? He's not on yet. Check out our Twitter. Twitter. Twitter is the place. Twitter. With all the info. It's our hub. Speaking of Twitter, where can they follow you at personally? Ashton underscore Stom. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ryan A.E. Moore. Um, that's going to be it for Primal Target. Uh, go check out uh, Steven's link down there, too. He, he makes the, the song you're currently listening to, as well as uh, the intro songs to our PT Plays videos, or outros to our PT Plays videos. He's a big ginger dude that can rap. Yes, and he'll be joining us in future videos, so uh, he'll be sticking around for a while. So go show him some love on his uh, SoundCloud and whatnot, and say Primal Target sent you. Uh, PT Nation, rolling strong. Uh, my name is Ryan. That was Ashton, and we'll see you guys in the next video. Good night, everybody. My ass hurts. You want me to kiss it?